Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. So thankful for today, thankful for all of you that are here. As we usually say every year, we recognize that Mother's Day can be a day of joy. It can also be a day of pain and sorrow for some. And so we honor you in whatever role or position that you may play. As our video today said, there are many mothers. You may not be a biological mother, but you may be a spiritual mother or a mentor or a teacher. But in some way, somehow, you've influenced someone. And we give you honor today and thank you for being here. I want to give honor today to the bishop's wife, my mother-in-law. I am so thankful for her, for her legacy, for her example, for the path that she trod prior to me stepping into this role. I'm so thankful for her. I'm thankful that she gave me an amazing man as my husband. And uh, I've called her mom even before Paul and I got married almost 25 years ago. And I'm so thankful that They've included me as part of the family, and I give you honor today. Can we give Bishop's wife a hand today? Love her so much. I give honor to my mom today. It is usually typical that I do not get to be with my mom on Mother's Day, um, but I love her very much. I got to speak with her for a little while yesterday, and uh, I'm thankful for my mom. Thankful that my mom gave me an example of what an apostolic lady should look like and how she should should behave, and I had a good example in my life. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that today, and I'm thankful for the legacy I have in my grandmothers, my Grandma Holland, my Grandma McBroom. I have one grandparent living left. That is my Grandma McBroom. She is 90 years old. And if you walk into her house and sit on her couch, she's going to talk to you about God. She's going to talk to you about church. And I'm thankful for her. I'm thankful for the legacy of my grandmothers who were also godly women. And I honor them today. If you would stand with me, we're going to go to the word of the Lord. As you, most of you know, my life is extremely busy right now. I have a lot of things on my plate. I have taken on a role at the high school, subbing in the office as a secretary. And so Monday through Friday, 730 to 4, and sometimes past that, I am working. And so everything else that I do in my life I have to set aside time in the afternoon or the evening or on the weekends to do. And so approaching Mother's Day about a month ago, there was a phrase that came on a TV show that my husband and I were watching, and we both looked at each other and immediately, and I looked at him, I said, dibs on that, that's for me, I'm using that Mother's Day. (laughs) And so I recorded it, and it just kept going over and over in my mind. And then about a week or two later, something else dropped in my spirit, and I just couldn't let it go, and I wrote it down. I even thought about, well, maybe I'll just make a Facebook post about this, and I didn't. And then God just, like, merged all this stuff together in my mind over the past month, and God just really helped me. And I'm very thankful for him that he just truly has given me what I feel is a word today. And I don't say that lightly. Because I am thankful that God, because I am imperfect humanity. His word is perfect, but I am not. So let's go to the word of God today. We're going to start in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. And it says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted, everybody say rooted, and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. 
Now let's turn to Psalms 34 and verse number 8. The scripture says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Today I want to speak for a little while on this topic. Tricky tulips and picky eaters. Tricky tulips and picky eaters. Pastor, will you pray today? Everyone say amen, and you may be seated today. So today we're going to have a little talk here about some flowers, about food and eating, and I promise I will get around to a point. But today you're going to have to do for me what you normally do for pastor, and that's just walk with me for a little while, all right? I'm going to share some things, and I promise we're going to bring it around, and we're going to apply it to our lives as moms. So are you willing to just hang with me for a little bit? All right. How many of you moms like flowers? I don't know too many women that don't like flowers. How many of you like to garden, whether a flower garden, a vegetable garden, to grow things? How many of you have had your kids bring you flowers from the yard? Maybe some dandelions, or in Pastor's case, he would bring her bundles of ragweed full of pollen that she was allergic to. But like a good mom, she would just put them in a vase and sneeze the rest of the week. Currently, there are over 369,000 different types of species of flowers in the world. And scientists say this is just scratching the surface of what's out there. Such beauty across God's landscape, in the wild or in your grandma's rose garden, brilliant colors, shapes, and aromas that are just stunning. Have you ever just looked at a flower and been like, wow, that is just so pretty? And then it's so pretty, what's the next thing you do? You walk over and... Oh, it smells so good. Flowers are amazing. And some people, they just have that magic touch, don't they, that can make any flower flourish. I mean, they just got it. My grandma Holland, she had the green thumb. And she passed it down to my mom. But then my mom did not pass that on to me at all. I promise. I could just look at a plant, and it withers and dies. You know, I'm the one that helps them make that journey to Jesus. I mean, they do not live in my house. Although, I do have one plant, one plant that I got a year ago that is in my room on my desk that is still living. Now, I think it's called a snake plant, I think. And it's hardy, they say, it's stress-free. I was working on my lesson last night, and I turned the pot around that has this snake plant, and the brand of this plant is called Plants of Steel. <laughs> I don't think you can kill it. I've watered it maybe once a month for the past year, and I thought, you know, I might need to check and see if it's actually fake, because I don't keep plants alive that long. I mean, I just don't. Anyway, my grandma Holland, now my grandma Holland, she lived in the city of St. Louis in a brick house. And when I say a brick house, I'm saying brick houses that you could stand on her porch and just about reach across the brick sidewalk to touch the other brick house next door, because just staggered like that. But her house and her yard was like the secret garden. I mean, plants, roses, and flowers everywhere. She knew the species. She knew what each plant needed to thrive and flourish. How much sun? How much water? When to water? When to plant? When to prune? I mean, my grandma, she even had a flowering plant called a night-blooming cereus 
that only bloomed once a year at night. One single night out of the whole year, it would bloom. And there was a picture in a photo album that my mom has of when she set an alarm and got up and went outside to take a picture of this flower that bloomed at like midnight. I mean, she had it going on. But some flowers, they're very fragile. They require a specific type of care. Overwater them and they're gonna die, which is typically what I do. Don't give them enough sun, they're gonna fade and die. Give them too much sun and they're gonna scorch and dry to a crisp. Many flowers have shallow roots. They are easily destroyed, plucked up by storms, people, bad ground conditions, floods, etc. But today, I wanna talk to you about a specific type of flower, and that is the tulip. Tulips are what is known as bulb plants. They come up from a bulb, they don't come up from a seed. The definition of a bulb is any plant that stores its complete life cycle in an underground storage structure. So you guys have seen the bulbs, right? Just like little round balls, almost kind of like a turnip looking thing or an, or an onion looking thing. Well, it lives underground. It's basically a plant that its entire life cycle is underground, but its leaves and flowers push up above the surface but it's basically an underground plant. Now there's two types of tulips. There's many species and varieties, but two types. There are species tulips that grow in the wild. And then there are what you might call domesticated tulips that people grow in gardens or in planter boxes. Now many domesticated tulips are hybrids. They've been engineered by men and women through the years. They're creating new color combinations, new styles, new looks. They're man-made. But these man-made tulips, they're kind of a softy. They require more care, more particular things. You have to plant them at a certain time, take care of them in a certain way. But not so with the native ancestors. Now, native tulips, these are the ones that God created and put in nature. Man hasn't touched them. They are a sight to behold. And I mean, they are amazing. They're beautiful. How many have ever seen some pictures of those fields of tulips, like in the mountain areas? I mean, it's just unbelievable. They're beautiful. They're fragrant. They're delicate looking. But don't be tricked by these tricky tulips. Don't be fooled. Because they are resilient, they are rooted, and they are tenacious. Beautiful and delicate, yet strong and resilient. That kind of sounds like a mom to me. Christian Curlis says wild tulips are better adapted to difficult conditions. American Meadow said you can find tulips clinging to hot desert mountain ridges in summer, buried in bitter cold snow-filled winters, and battered on windswept rocky steppes between northwest China and Turkey, among some of the world's highest, most unreachable, and inhospitable mountain ranges. Tulips survive conditions of extreme temperature fluctuations, imperfect drainage, and glaring sunlight. Windswept, cold, barren, rocky, inhospitable, yet these tulips are surviving and they are blooming. How is that possible? The answer is found in its roots, the bulb. In fact, to have a successful tulip garden, you have to bury the bulb in the fall 
so it can grow its roots through the cold, harsh winter. It needs the cold to grow strong roots and bloom so beautifully in the spring. If you miss that window, you gotta go back and wait because you gotta plant it so that the bulb can survive through the winter. That's when you get the beautiful petals and things that come up out of the ground. And I know as moms, sometimes we feel like we're trying to survive a harsh winter season in our life. Problems, stress, money issues, health problems, job situations, and sometimes it just feels like too much. But like the tulip, God knows that sometimes we need those harsh winds. We need the cold winters so that we will drive our roots deep in him. Other flowers with shallow roots, they're just going to shrivel up and wither away. Scripture tells us in Mark 4.17, this is in the NIV, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So scripture's telling us if there's no deep roots, if it's shallow roots, the minute there's some wind or there's a problem or a storm or a flood, they don't stay rooted. They're carried away because their roots are shallow. But those wild tulips, the native tulips that God created, they're so tenacious. They are survivors. Why? Because they drive their roots deep. And the bulbs are that protection that protects that entire living plant from the conditions around it. Now, you may look at a tulip. I mean, if you just look at a tulip, you're usually commenting on how beautiful it is. Look at the colors. Oh, it's so delicate and fragrant. Many times we don't look at a tulip and think, man, I bet that's got a really big bulb down there under the ground. All right? I mean, we're just admiring the beauty that we see above the ground. We're only looking at what we can see with our natural eye and not thinking about what's going on beneath the surface that allows that tulip to grow and be so beautiful. It may look delicate. It may look feeble, but it has strong roots. And moms, we can be strong like the tulip. We can survive. But it's only when we drive our roots deep into God, deep into his word, when the conditions become harsh. Isaiah 58 and 11 says, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. You may feel like you're living on scorched earth. But do you hear that scripture? But the Lord's going to nourish us, and we may be on scorched earth, but we're going to feel like we're living in a well-watered garden because we've driven our roots in him. So when the wind blows, we got to anchor our roots to the cornerstone. When the storm rages, we have to dig our roots just a little deeper into our strong tower. When that harsh sun is glaring down, then we can let our roots find refreshing in the presence of the Lord. And when it's cold and it's barren, we can find nourishment in the word of God. 2 Corinthians 4 and 8 says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. It's nourishing our roots with the right thing that will keep us stable and steady through uncertain times and circumstances. But nourishment isn't just for plants, though, is it? We need nourishment and sustenance for our bodies to grow healthy and strong, true? How many of you will admit and say that you were a picky eater as a kid? Okay, got a few. Hey, Brother Brown, hey, see something in common. 
How many of you have a kid who is a picky eater? Yep, a lot more hands. <laughs> Amen. I do. You all know I do. Anybody that knows my Trevor knows that he is a very picky eater. When he was young, at one point, we even took him to a feeding clinic for months so that they could help him overcome this and help us help him overcome some of his aversions, which were and still are many. And picky eaters, what do we hear them say? Ew, gross. That's nasty. That's disgusting. No, thank you. Uh-uh. No, no, no way. Right? That's what they say. They don't want milk, right? They want a soda. We tell them, no, you can't have Dr. Pepper and candy for breakfast. But have yourself a bowl of Fruity Pebbles instead. <laughs> just add milk, then it's all good, right? Right, Sister Ashley, just add milk, then it's all good, right? It's fortified, it's fortified, so it's all good. When our kids were babies, what did the doctors and articles tell us? Introduce the peas and carrots first. Because if you give the apples and the bananas first, they're going to grow an appetite for the sweet stuff, and then they won't want to eat the nutritious vegetables, right? I've been guilty of that, too. And what do we tell our kids? Oh, drink your milk. Why do I need to drink my milk? So you'll get healthy and strong, right? Oh, eat your spinach so you can be strong like Popeye. Our kids do not probably even know who Popeye is, but you all know. I mean, we are what we eat, right? If we have a steady diet of sugar and candy and carbs, our bodies will tell the tale, right? And what's the problem? Why do we not want our kids to be picky eaters? Because then they're not getting all the nutrition they need, right? That's the problem. Then they're not going to get strong. They're not going to grow. So even if our kids throw a fit, do we let them eat ice cream and cotton candy and drink soda all day every day? Of course not. Why? Because as moms, we want them to be healthy. We don't want their teeth to rot. We don't want to have to constantly be taking them to the dentist to get cavities filled. We don't want them developing medical issues or unhealthy lifestyles. Just being a good mom. Now, my Trevor, he's still a picky eater. He doesn't like pizza or eggs or mac and cheese or very many vegetables. And I could give you the things that he does like is a much easier list to share than the things that he doesn't. But... Thankfully, as a result of the feeding clinic, he does like foods in all the major food groups, so he's not lacking in nutrition. So I'm thankful for that. It's difficult, though, sometimes, either being a picky eater or having a child who is a picky eater. I cannot tell you the number of times we have spent, I mean, waiting in drive through to pick up something for him to eat before we went to a restaurant that we all wanted to eat at, but I knew they would have nothing on the menu that he would want to eat. So we went out of our way to pick something up for him on our way there, right? Make an extra stop. And when I begin to think about picky eaters, I think picky, picky eating is something that has come into the church world. People want to pick and choose verses out of the Bible that taste good to them. Or pick a church that makes them feel comfortable and doesn't challenge us to live more like Jesus. I think Pastor talked a little bit about this Wednesday night. Or maybe just pick a pastor that won't tell me when I'm steering down a wrong heart or down a wrong path, but let my heart decide. Picky eaters in the church, this is what you might hear them say, ooh, I want the blessings of God. Those are yummy. But don't talk to me about faithfulness. That's gross. Or I want the favor of God. That's so tasty. But don't talk to me about holiness or right living. That's disgusting. I need God to supply all my needs. That is delicious. But don't talk to me about tithing. No, thank you. 
constantly wanting to consume all the things that taste good to us, but not ingesting any of the things that we actually need to grow strong and healthy in Christ. So as a result, we get shallow, we get weak, unable to thrive. We get spiritual sickness, weak muscles, and no strength to even lift up a shield of faith when the enemy starts throwing the fiery darts. We're taking in all the stuff that's unhealthy for us and taking in none of the stuff that's nutritious for us. And no one said it would be easy. They say it can take trying something 15 times before you acquire a taste for it. We have to create an appetite for the things of God that's going to nourish our soul. And you know what's crazy? The more we feed ourselves with the right things, the more we want those things, right? Anybody that's ever started a diet or an exercise regime will tell you it's the beginning, it's the starting that's always the hardest to get motivated to start. Weaning ourselves off sweets and sugar and denying the cravings at first, it is so hard. But the more you do it, the easier it gets. Then you find yourself, wow, aha, epiphany, I'm kind of actually enjoying the healthy foods because you're feeling the energy in your body. You're seeing healthy changes. Maybe you don't have to take a medication you had to take before. Maybe you're seeing a loss of some extra weight you wanted to lose because we're feeding ourselves with the nutrition and the healthy things that it needs so our body responds to that. But unhealthy foods, what do they do? They cause sugar spikes energy drops. They don't last. We eat a lot of carbs and sugar, and two hours later, we're hungry again, right? There's nothing that sustains us. But healthy, nourishing foods, they do sustain us. They keep us steady. They give us energy. They leave us feeling satisfied. That's why if you come into the church and you decide not to be a picky eater, but you choose to take in all the things that God wants us to have, that means you're going to make it. That means that no matter what life throws your way, what problems come, it's not a yo-yo in and out of the church. That person is still in church. They still are faithful. They're still worshiping. They're still trusting God no matter what's going on in their life, no matter what's going on out there because they fed themselves with the things to keep them strong through the hard times. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good. Psalms 119:103 says, "How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth." When you ingest godly things long enough, they become sweet to our taste, and we begin to lose those cravings for worldly things. Ask anybody that has finally weaned themselves off of sugar, they will tell you if they've gone long enough without it and then they have it, it literally makes them sick. And that's where we need to get in the church, to where we have denied ourselves from the worldly cravings and the worldly things long enough that when we're in here, if we would begin to get a taste of the world, it literally makes us sick because we have lived off the things that are healthy having God's word and his spirit, being faithful to his house, being consistent in our tithing and holiness and righteous living, that's what's going to help us survive the hard times. Just like the tulip that drives her roots down deep and survives those harshest of elements, the cold, the barrenness, the rockiness, the sun-scorched earth. Because moms, life is not easy. 
and dare I say it and use the C word, but in the post-COVID world, it's just nuts, y'all. I mean, even trying to just buy the things we need to make something from the grocery store to make a meal is almost halfway impossible. And it gets so frustrating. I'm going to make this, and you can't even find the ingredients you need. I mean, and that's just one small thing, right? But when you add up this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing, it's just like, okay, I can't take this anymore. This is way overwhelming. But we need the strength of God that helps us survive. We need the strength of God that's going to help get us through. I want to be a tricky tulip, and I don't want to be a picky eater. And don't be fooled by my delicate petals, my bright colors, because at my root, I am strong, and I'm grounded in something that is everlasting. Now, you want to hear something else that's pretty neat about tulips? The petals are edible. They can be used in breads or as a substitute for onions in recipe. Now, I don't know too many people that just like to grab an onion and eat it. Although Pastor Harold Shepard, when we used to evangelize, he'd sit down with his bowl of beans and a raw onion, and he just ate it like an apple. I've never seen anyone do that. But yeah, that would be me saying, ooh, gross. <laughs> but how many will agree that when you cook onions into a recipe, it brings a lot of flavor, right? Not too many people would just eat a raw onion, but when you cook it into something, it brings out flavor. It adds to the aroma, right? You take the things of God and you mix them into your life. It may seem strong. You know, Scripture talks about strong meat, you know, weaning off the milk as we grow mature in Christ. And it may seem like a lot, but if you just begin to add that in to your life and add it in to all the daily recipes and the things and the circumstances, it's going to bring flavor. It's going to bring life. It's going to bring strength. So not only... Can a tulip sustain itself? Now think about this. If the tulip petals are edible, not only can a tulip sustain itself, but it can actually offer sustenance to others. Moms, if you will drive your roots deep in the right things, not only will you survive, but you're going to provide something that your kids can live on. This is not just about us. We're showing our kids how to survive and thrive in a world that is literally waxing worse and worse every day. We give our kids the best chance to grow strong in God when we drive our roots deep in him and model godly living. Now, kids, they typically eat what their parents eat, right? If mom or dad goes through the drive-thru and gets a burger and fries, they probably don't go home and fix their kids' salmon and broccoli, right? No, they get them the Happy Meal with the chicken nuggets and the toy, right? If we aren't faithful to church, it's less likely that our kids will grow up to be faithful to church. If we don't model tithing, our kids probably won't be tithers. If we don't live godly, our kids probably won't either. We don't want to be a mom that's a picky eater. We got to nourish ourselves with the things of God. We got to drive our roots deep in the soil of God's word, and flourish even in the darkest and in the hardest of times. If you'll stand with me this morning, if our musicians would please come. If we will choose to be a tulip, our kids can look at us and see, wow, life's not been easy for my mom. She's had some problems. She's had some stressful moments. But look at her. She's still thriving. Wow, she's so beautiful. She's still going to church and serving God. Wow, that must be where she gets her strength from.
right? I pray to God that I can model that for my kids because I want them to grow strong in God. I want them to grow up knowing where to drive their roots, where to dig down deep. We don't want to shrivel up and die. We don't want to have shallow roots. If we're just barely holding on to the surface, it's not going to take much of anything to knock us down and carry us away. I mean, a hard rain where there's a little bit of flooding and boom, it's gone. A storm and some really harsh winds, just going to knock it over flat and it's going to die. Have a few days of drought, no rain, and it just shrivels up because shallow roots can't get to the moisture they need. But a tulip, a plant that has driven its roots down deep into the ground, you know why they go deep? Because that's where the water is. That's why they got to dig down so far for a well because they got to dig down till they hit the water table. Plants, flowers, trees, they grow their roots down deep. So even when there's a drought and there's harsh conditions, they can draw up moisture and they can have life because it is a living thing. Mamas, you're not shriveling up. You're not withering. Oh, no, 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 not you, far from it. The ground may be rocky, the wind may be blowing fierce, and the air may be cold, but you stand tall, blooming in beauty and grace and full of vibrant color. And others may look at us sometimes and think we're so delicate and soft and, you know, the weaker vessel, which is true. But we can be strong and tenacious. And we can outlast any storm if we have rooted ourselves in Christ. If I could have all of the moms that are in this room, if you would just come and gather at the front. Brother Mason, if you could just begin to play something softly this morning. All the moms would just join me around the front. If you got a kid, that's fine. Bring your kiddo. Bring your baby. Come close and let's all come close together. Look around at these mamas. Look at each other. We need each other. We need each other, don't we, moms? Because not only do we draw nourishment and strength from digging our roots deep in God's word, but part of coming to church in faithfulness is so that we can be right alongside our sisters. So that we can link up and strengthen one another when we see each other start to falter. We want to be nourished and sustained by the creator and by each other, by the presence of God. Because, man, when you come to church and you've had a horrible week, you can walk out of here on a Sunday saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, that was just what I needed. We can stand in his presence. And you know what's happening in that moment? You're driving those roots just a little deeper. You're giving yourself just a little more strength to make it through another day, another week. Because he's here breathing life into your body. If you're feeling dry and parched, he's putting that living water in our souls. Because you know why? Because he's the source. He's the source. He's the source of what we need. I would ask if you could just join hands with the lady next to you. Close your eyes. And let's begin to pray. God, help us to drive our roots deep in you. God, help us to be like a tulip. God, that has planted ourselves, no matter the ground or the location or the place that you have put us, God, that we would thrive. God, that we would grow in beauty because we have driven our roots deep in you.
God, help us, Lord, not to be a picky eater that picks and chooses the things that make us comfortable, that only satisfy for a moment. But God, nourish us with your word. Give us what we need to survive. And God, just like mamas who give their babies the foods that they need to grow healthy and strong, God, today, give us what we need. Can you begin to pray for the lady next to you? God, strengthen my sister. God, help them, Lord, as a mother. God, help them, Lord, to drive their roots deep. God, I want to make it, Lord. I want to make it, God, in a day and age and a world, God, that is waxing worse and worse, God. I don't want to be tossed around. I don't want to be trampled and carried away. But, God, I want to stand firm and strong and true, God, in you today. Hallelujah. Can you begin to talk to him this morning? I need you, Jesus. Brother Mason, if you could sing something for us this morning, let's pray and talk to God today. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.